Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Hello and welcome to the Yahoo Fantasy Football Forecast. It feels so good to be back. Please do not judge me too harshly. I might be a little bit rusty, but that is not a reflection of my enthusiasm, especially because I am joined, and I am Liz Loza, I should mention, see, rusty, Um, but I am joined by one of my favorite people in this space, particularly on social media, the one and only Lawrence Jackson Jr., also known as Lord Don't Lose on Twitter and from the Lord Don't Lose podcast. Lawrence, welcome to our show. How do you do? I appreciate it. I'm definitely honored to uh, be doing this, especially with you. You know, we've been uh, chopping it up for a while now, so it's good we get to do it on this platform. So it's up now. That is one of my favorite things, honestly, about working at Yahoo Fantasy because the overlords here are not so overlording when in terms of creativity, like they allow us to reach out to have different guests, they ask our input. And I was really taken, like, I fell in love with your content on Instagram is where I was first introduced to it. Nobody, by the way, listeners, works harder and more consistently than Lawrence here. His hustle, his insight, his humor, his creativity. It is his own voice. Like, we talk so often in this space, and I get the question all the time, like, what should I do to differentiate myself? And I always say, like, you just got to be authentic. Like, don't try to be somebody else. And Lawrence, you have nailed that. And I think it's a large part of the reason, in addition to your very insightful analysis and commentary, as to why your, quote, brand, make me throw up, but still, that's the word everyone likes to use, yeah, yeah, has right, grown right. <laughs> so much. Um, talk to me about, just like a little bit about you. Introduce yourself to our audience. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, you know, as I make it known a lot on my social media, I'm always uh, repping where I'm from, uh, Georgia, coming out of South Side of Atlanta. And like you just mentioned uh, about, you know, people just being different in the whole fantasy football industry. You know, a lot of people where I come from, they like to do two things. Uh, One is play sports. And I did that. Right. But everybody can't be a professional athlete. You feel me? So it's Either they do that or they try to be a rapper. Well, I don't want to be no rapper either, but I love, but I love, but I love football. So a few years ago, I found a way that I could still be involved with it uh, just in this capacity. And it's ironic because not long ago, I wasn't even feeling fantasy football like that for real, man. <laughs> 
Can you talk? I mean, I know that you weren't, you know, like we hear NFL players talk about having mixed emotions when it comes to fantasy. And part of that is because, you know, these trolls like right, clap yeah. at them about how many yards they got and, you know, they don't have lives of their own. But as someone who was dedicated to the sport as a player and an athlete for so long, talk to me about how those emotions went from being like, nah, to all right, let's play. So I, I could tell you exactly how it go right because when you actually play football you don't too much be worried about playing fantasy football and like even after college I would play football and like some little minor leagues or whatever you're never really thinking about fantasy but once I stopped actually playing I was like oh well maybe this this might be a little fun you know just pick and when I first started it, it wasn't no type of research and then I'm just watching the games like I always do like let's pick the best players but for but for players uh it's like I feel like they be focused so much on the actual game so when they had to hear somebody talk about them just about their statistics I could understand why they feel that way even if we talking good about them you feel me it's probably just a whole bunch of stuff that they hear and that's why when we get the NFL players that do appreciate fantasy than the ones you got to draft. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. They don't want to be minimized to a stat sheet, their right. game, all the effort they put into everything that got them to this moment too, is not reflected in a bunch of numbers on a, on, you know, a, a laptop or a keyboard or a piece of paper or something. So I think that's a really good point. Before we dive into the news, current, your favorite current player and your favorite player of all time. Favorite current player. Um, I mean, you personally know this. I can't choose between I can't choose between Lamar Jackson and Julio. I can't make that choice. So I'm gonna just say one A, one B, Julio Jones and Lamar Jackson all day. <laughs> all right. All, all time. I'm gonna go uh Deion Sanders for sure. I was a corner. Any little kid playing cornerback growing up, Deion had all the swag in the nineties. Deion Sanders swag in the nineties would still be legit today. You feel me? Like he would he had the Nike gear and all that. So yeah, definitely prime time. Well let's talk about some of the news that is popping, particularly with a rookie who doesn't look like he'll be ready for his primetime debut. It's Rashad Bateman. He's having groin surgery. Not just a pulled groin or a groin strain. He is actually having a surgery and he's obviously going to be out for a while. This is a huge blow to your favorite quarterback in that he was finally given these these right. receivers in the draft and now at least he's not going to have one of them. We also know that Hollywood has been struggling with uh, Hollywood Brown has been struggling with some injuries as well. Though Sammy Watkins is uh, is popping in camp. Are you buying into that hype or how does this affect maybe how you're even ranking Lamar. It, it won't affect how I rank Lamar because we've seen Lamar uh, as a QB1 without this receiving core right here. It, this is the best group of receivers he's ever played with in his life. But seeing Rashad Bateman go down, um, that really hurts because he was having an amazing camp. And it hurts even worse because Lamar had the COVID. So he was gone. Bateman was tearing it up. Lamar come back. Bateman go out, you know, so it's kind of, it's going to take him a while um, to get the chemistry. Sammy Watkins, he he's having a good camp as well. I think he's good, you know, as the veteran presence. 
you know what I'm saying, just, had, just to bring them guys along. Him being there could be a part of why Bateman was having a uh, was having a good camp. You know what I'm saying? But it, but it's just gonna it's just gonna suck that you know once he's healed, then you got to get the chemistry. Uh, John Harbaugh did say he'll be back in sometime in September, so it's not like the worst of the worst. But you would have liked to see him since you know he's gonna be starting. You would have liked to see him playing in preseason. Well, and I have to imagine you're not going to draft him now in regular season non-keeper or dynasty leagues because it's so important to win early in redraft, yes. you know? And so it, I feel like he's going to be relegated to the waiver wire unless you have some crazy deep bench. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, it, it was already uh, on the low side for him being that he a Ravens receiver, and that's the uh, leading rushing team in the league, so... Yeah, you you're not gonna go after you're not gonna go after uh Bateman right now. Now if he was playing preseason, he looking good. Now we're like, yeah, we we like this, right? But like you just said, it, it's not nothing to shoot for right now. Maybe uh after the first quarter of the season, um think things could change, but as of now, we cannot draft Rashad Bateman. Quickly and for context, right now, Sammy Watkins is being drafted 204 overall. He's the wide receiver, 60-ish in Yahoo leagues. Um, And to contextualize that as well, he's going around the same place as Traquan Smith, Emmanuel Sanders, Gabriel Davis. Give me, would you rather draft Sammy Watkins, knowing all that you do about the Ravens receiving core and, you know, the limited passing volume, or Gabriel Davis, who is working behind some other players but has flashed? Right. I, I, in that particular situation, you're going to want to go with Sammy Watkins because you at least know he's going to be lining up on first down. Uh, uh, Davis, you know, you got Sanders there now. You got Cole Beasley and, of course, the great Stefan Diggs. So uh, Davis is going to be more of a um, he'll rotate in. He'll get his reps, but he's not going to get anything consistent right now. Sammy Watkins, obviously, if he stay up right, I don't like to say if he stay hurt because, like, duh, that's for everybody. But, you know, he's, he's, he, hell, he the best receiver on the team right now. Ain't nobody playing. Uh, Lawrence, you saying that Sammy Watkins could be the most consistent option. The words consistent and the name Sammy Watkins in the same sentence. It's scary, this is fantasy football in 2021. And <laughs> yeah. if you thought that take was hot, I'm sure Lawrence has more of them. Let's move to another rookie. One that was also popping in camp. I liked him a lot coming out of Ole Miss. Elijah Moore, his connection with Zach Wilson has been absolutely fire in Jersey, <laughs> North Roxburgh, yeah, even yeah. though they play for the Jets, right? Yeah, um, it's weird, yeah. But, He's got a quad issue. He's going to get an MRI on it uh, following Thursday's practice. For reference, we're recording on Thursday. You'll probably listen to this on Friday. So uh, is this, you know, are you feeling like you want to slow your roll on more? Or because the, you know, to be honest, like the bulk of not just this offense, but frankly the whole regime and coaching staff is so new, it's not necessarily going to matter. And also, for reference, Moore and Bateman were being drafted about the same position. So now, you know, Bateman's yeah, fallen. You, you could kind of – you could take a extremely late shot if the bench is deep on that. I would give him the edge in that more simply because of the uh, – simply because of the uh, scheme that they're in. Uh, nobody – like I said, nobody's running that ball. Uh, more than uh more than the Ravens 
and, and you know, Elijah Moore is a guy who could get into that slot too. You know, slot guys, we love those guys. They get in there, they get the catches, you know. So, um, and, and hopefully his injury, his quad injury ain't as serious as the growing uh, for Rashad Bateman. So once we see what's the real deal with his injury, um, and hopefully that come out in the next day or so, then we can get to moving and making a, a decision on that. But I would give him a slight edge over Rashad Bateman for sure. Yeah, I agree. If I'm looking at the, you know, if I'm in the wide receiver 60 range and it's at the end of my draft and I'm throwing darts, I think that Moore just has more upside again because, you know, you mentioned Lamar not being able to build chemistry with Bateman and obviously uh, Wilson and Moore already have this rookie connection. And so I, I feel like the path to reps is a little more obvious for Moore, especially since he's, you know, part of this regime that is new and was drafted by the new regime. So I agree with you there. If I'm throwing darts at rookies, I'm not too bearish about Moore, but I'm certainly keeping an eye on the quad injury. Another Raven, or former Raven at least, Mark Ingram and Philip <laughs> Lindsay, both now on the Texans, are listed as co-starters for Houston. Do you make anything of this so since it's preseason week one nah but it still looked <laughs> crazy though because i i promise you like i literally just was ran because i'm randomly looking at different teams depth charts and stuff now that we got the preseason so i come across the texas i see little number two mark ingram they said the two new guys not the dude who you know finished the last month of the season as an rb1 last year the two new guys. So it, and especially when, um, you know, Mark Ingram came in, he's older than David Johnson in his last few games with the Ravens. He, he wasn't even active. They moved on to the young guys, uh, Gus Edwards and JK Dobbins. So it's definitely surprising to see Mark Ingram, a top depth chart. But again, it's the, the week one preseason who knows what's going on with the testing. Cause it's a whole hell of a lot of stuff going on with the testing. <laughs> And I ain't even going to get into all that. Yeah, yeah. and if you guys do want to get in all that, be sure to check out Charles Robinson's reboot of the Yahoo NFL podcast. He's our NFL knower of all things and insider based in Houston, and his pod is You Pod to Win the Game. So check that out. He has always got his finger and his cell phone on the pulse of everything coming out of Houston. I will say for this one, I think Mark Ingram, and I've said this since the free agency moves were made in the spring, Mark Ingram was brought in to add a veteran presence to this team because exactly of what you're saying, because of all the chaos, because of the distractions. And we know that Mark Ingram is one of the best hype men in the league. So Indeed. I think that he is, you know, we, we're going to use the C word, the culture word. I think that he is one of those like glue guys, locker room presence, veteran presences. And I'm not really thinking, I don't believe that he is going to see a lot of touches. I, there were rumors he could be a cut candidate. I think he's there not for his ability on the field, but for his ability to babysit in a situation where we might have some temper tantrums that perhaps if situations were different, we might not have as many. Right. Um, it, you just said something about him uh, bringing the culture in 2019 for the Baltimore Ravens. The reason they were so successful was one Lamar Jackson and two was Mark Ingram bringing the culture. Like he was a, a staunch leader on that team. Like started talking about big trust he campaigning for Lamar to get the MVP, loving his teammates. So I, I'm definitely with you on that there. 
he could kind of help mend some things or whatever going on. Cause all we know, the way things going in Houston right now, the Texans could have just threw that depth chart together. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, July, yes. July, whatever. I, I definitely agree with that. Let's talk about some value targets because, you know, part of the strategy of fantasy football is finding places where we can make a gain. But that means maybe not having like the flashiest roster or having to go sometimes a little more basic than on trend or something. You know, you can't get all these like styling new toys like Elijah Moore and Rashad Bateman. But if you can find value in interesting places and add balance to your rosters while doing that, then it gives you an advantage that may not look as sleek, you know, in a tweet or a screenshot, but gives you more like gas to get through now all 17 weeks. We're going to start at the running back position. I'm going to kick things off with a player. You know, I did say a little more basic, not so flashy. And to me, Damian Harris is absolutely... He is to me like a jack of all trades and a master of none. And that doesn't sound exciting, but he is so efficient. He's good at enough of the things. He's reliable. He's dependable. And oh, what offense is he working in? One that really, really appreciates reliability and and versatility, even if it isn't particularly flashy. Um, I think he's sneaky. In fact, I think that Damien Damien Harris is a little bit sneaky. Here's a sneaky stat. Per PFF, he was the highest graded running back in 2020. I'm not lying. He was ahead of Derrick Henry and Dalvin Cook because he is so hyper-efficient. He averaged 4.8 yards per carry despite facing a stacked front for nearly 43% of his carries last year. His ADP right now is 76. He's the RB32 going off of the board. Like, Are there some concerns? Yeah, the lack of receiving work. I don't particularly like that. Cam Newton vulturing him at the goal line. I don't particularly love that. But I'm not threatened by Sony Michelle, right? The team didn't pick up his option. I do like Ramondre Stevenson, but I think that, you know, he's having some developmental rookie problems. And I'm not quite sure that Cam is, and I don't think anyone is, going to hold on to this starting position for the entirety of the season. So when I'm looking at that, quote, dead zone of running backs, I am thinking that Damian Harris is the the shining glory of all of them. That's one of my guys to talk about as well. I'm with you on that one. I think Damian Harris proved last year what he could do despite the uh, just the inconsistencies of the lineup in the, on the offense. Hell, they ain't have they they ain't had a offensive line uh, last year. They get back three new off, offensive linemen on that side. They got Hunter Henry. I mean, he's hurt right now, but you got Jonah. You got two real tight ends now. If any anybody who's listening right now, I dare you name the two top tight ends from the Patriots last year. But anyway, um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah, I think he proved uh, just being able to push through that. And I, I just keep thinking back to that Kansas City game where Cam Newton missed. He, he missed the game and uh, Hoyer started the game. Uh, he had an amazing game. He ran hard uh, versus a good team. James White will still get hit. He'll always have his role until he just decide to, like, he he solidified. But it's not enough to, to me, it's not enough to have him uh, lower than RB30. I got him at 25, me personally. But uh, there's definitely some value there after, let's say, RB3, 4, something like that. 
Yeah, I, I like that a lot. I like that you're mentioning the offensive line as well. That's an important part of fantasy that I feel like goes under mentioned or, or not talked about enough. Also, when we're talking about James White, like he is a veteran, he is advancing in age, and Damian Harris, it's not like he isn't a capable receiver out of the backfield. He has this in his tool, in he his is. toolbox. Uh, he's just not being utilized that way. But that doesn't mean, especially in an offense that, you know, is despite the Super Bowl victory of last year, still one of the most creative minds in the league can't find a way to include him or evolve his skill set as he is continuing, even though his breakout wasn't as fast as we hoped it would be, to push him forward. Um, So this is funny. Yesterday I did a podcast with Davis Maddock, and he asked me for, like, my top ADP picks after 100. And, like, let's be real, at running back, I was like, I mean, if it's – I'm not going to get up here and talk about Tony Pollard because that's so obvious – and I don't want to just talk a bunch of wide about a bunch of wide receivers because we there's a ton of them, right? So I'm gonna yeah. hunt for a running back after after ADP of 100. And I went on a huge, loving, passionate rant about Jamal Williams. Then scrolling through my socials, up pops Lawrence, Lord don't lose, with a fire video about Jamal Williams. We are vibing so well that we didn't even know. Well, we always had like Josh Jacobs last year, right? Brian Edwards, you know, I'm still with oh. him, by the way. I'm yep. with, I'm sticking with that. By I the way, I ain't giving up. I ain't giving up. But <laughs> I love Jamal Williams, and I want to hear why you do. I'm gonna give a couple of my reasons, but the truth is that Jamal Williams does things that NFL coaches love, like he takes care of the football. This is a man who has not fumbled on 523 career rush attempts. Anthony Lynn, Dan Campbell, both Anthony Lynn, by the way, a former running back, both of these guys have said that they expect this to be a timeshare, and that was before DeAndre Swift publicly was dealing with a groin issue. Now, I hear groin issues sometimes. I think Dalvin Cook, David Montgomery, they can bounce back. Other times, I think Arian Foster. So I don't know about the severity of this, and I don't want to guess but I know that Jamal Williams is currently the RB45 in Yahoo Drafts, and I like that real late for a running back. So I'm going to think that he have he actually he got standalone value when Swift come back, right? I mean, yep. So you know when coaches say things, you know sometimes it is and sometimes it ain't. I don't see why this is a ain't. It's a is because. Oh, 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 all right. And and going back to Mark Ingram, Jamal Williams got a lot of those qualities. He bring good energy. Like you said, he protecting the football. Not all flashy and stuff, but he will, he will get you in the end zone. That's why people didn't like him last year because he was take he'll take it from Aaron Jones, but uh still a solid player. Um and if Anthony Lynn, you know, a running back coach, right, is gonna say this is a this is gonna be a committee. I, I could I could believe that, and and he's a good player. Actually, any funny too, if that means that don't mean that. It's, it's <laughs> no, I I I agree with you. Um, you know, I think he's becoming more popular because you're referencing him being funny, and he did that post game yeah, press yeah, con or post practice. Yeah, that press conference. He he was mic'd up and he was hilarious. So of course he's floating around social saying a, a lot of things about anime and and a whole bunch. So I think he's on the front of mind, but that doesn't discount his play. And you mentioned Aaron Jones. In week seven and eight, when Aaron Jones was out last year, 
Williams recorded over 100 total yards and posted top 10 fantasy numbers in back-to-back weeks. Now, obviously, the Lions are not going to be as lit as the Packers are or were, but the whole point is to find value. And maybe you don't use Williams regularly, but we've already seen these injuries pile up and we're still dealing with weird COVID protocols. Like he's going to become, and I love what you said, he has standalone value and I guarantee he's going to become valuable as the options become slimmer. And I'm going to just keep it a butt real quick. Like the Lions, I mean, for those who love DeAndre Swift and feel like he got top five upside, that's cool. But a team like the Detroit Lions need to use a running back by committee. They're not a good team. They need to just see who can make plays. Obviously, DeAndre Swift could do that, but so can Jamal Williams. He may not be as talented and as young as DeAndre Swift. That's obvious. But last year told us that he could still get that thing done. All right. I I love that we're vibing so far. Now give me your value, your favorite value pick at the running back position. So so at running back, I'm going to, I'm going to take that. uh, I would take that shot and see what's happening with Zach Moss from the Buffalo Bills. He just got hurt too, right? He he dealing with a little hammy, but his isn't it. It's a day to day. They say, and I don't even really have a lot of reason, but except for the fact that this, this Devin Singletary, right? You know what you're going to get out of him at this point. Zach Moss dealt with a lot of injuries in 2020. That gave Devin Singletary the show, but he ain't never turned on the TV with it. The Buffalo Bills became a passing attack like no other against the Ravens in the playoffs. They threw 20-something passes before they even ran the ball, and it was windy outside. So Zach Moss battled injuries uh, last year. He's starting to do that this year, which ain't great. But he was a rookie last year, and you coaches have said he's been the most improved. He's been the best in camp. So I'm going to just go off that and give him a chance to uh, lead the Buffalo Bills rushing attack. But just like in New England with Cam Newton taking away rushing touchdowns, uh, Josh Allen is, uh, you know, he's – always prone to do the same thing but because we don't know what we could get and there's still more to get out of Zach Moss I feel like that that can be a value maybe not the first quarter of season but if you could take him late you just see what happens with the backfield but if I'm late I'm taking him over Devin Singletary for sure I mean, I'm definitely taking him over Singletary. You know, when you're, and obviously of the two of them, Moss is much more the, the quote, power back, the more traditional short yardage and goal line option if he were not to be vultured by Josh Allen. But I also think, you know, when I look at the stacked front carry rate in Buffalo and how lit, like defenses have a guessing game, right? They're not going to stack the box because they're like, well, I got Stephon Diggs over here. I got Gabriel Davis. I got Cole Beasley. Like there is a buffet of options. And Zach Moss faced a stacked front carry rate under 15% of the time last year. So he can get, if he, he has an opportunity to get loose and we know he can do it. And I agree with you. If he's healthy, he started this season. Remember last year, week one against the jets with the touchdown, everybody thought it was fire. Let's keep an eye on the soft tissue injuries, but I, I think you're right of the two of them. I'm certainly leaning Moss's way and for his value. Why not? And, and, and what you just mentioned about the stack box rate, let me uh, go ahead and say that when Zach Moss did play, it wasn't anything legendary. A couple of weeks ago, I was like watching some of his games from last year 
And um, you, you could definitely uh, see some things about what you just alluded to. So we basically got to see just like, hey, he was a rookie last year. We kind of giving almost every rookie skill player another shot this year because of how last year was. So, like I said, we know what Devin Singletary going to give us, so we'll see. But it's like you, you're not going – it's not – if he doesn't pan out, cool. You, It's not like you use the – ninth round pick on him. Exactly. Exactly. Let's switch over to the receiver position. I'm going to go first on this one because I'm feeling a little bit heated here. I don't understand. I do not understand why Robbie Anderson is going so low. Let me actually quantify and contextualize that a little bit. Last year, DJ Moore, his teammate, and Robbie Anderson closed out 2020 as fantasy's wide receiver 22 and 23, respectively. But heading into 2021, Moore is being drafted almost 30 spots ahead of Anderson. Don't make sense to me. I mean, it makes sense to me because all these nerds are like, you know, distracted by the spark score. But what happened (laughs) to actually watching tape? What happened to versatility? What happened to the way that Robbie Anderson, Robbie Anderson was a skinny receiver who could just catch touchdowns and nothing else. This man has completely evolved his skill set, done an entire rebrand, and we are giving him zero credit for it in the fantasy community. He led Carolina's receiving core in targets and receptions and when we're talking about the evolution of his skill set, we all know he's a red zone threat, right? He's got the second most receiving scores over 20 yards since 2017. The second most receiving scores over 20 yards since 2017. But per PFF, he last year earned the fourth highest grade as a slot receiver. I love that you can move him all over the place. I you love can now. You, you can now, right? Now. And... It's not like he has to get used to a new quarterback. Like, I'm not going to talk about Sam Darnold like he's some amazing thing. And I know love people love to, like, bang on this argument. But let's put some numbers to it. The rapport between Anderson and Sam Darnold. Um, of the 13 games that Darnold started in 2019, Anderson either cleared 80 yards or scored in six of them. So we have seen what he could do in a disaster of an offense. Right now, Robbie Anderson has an ADP of 87 and is the 32nd wide receiver coming off the board. That is criminal. Well, I'll tell you why it's like that, especially between him and DJ Moore. NFL draft, draft capital. Um, You you know, DJ Moore was the first round pick. DJ Moore, the one who ran a 4-3. I mean, hell, Robbie Anderson fast too, but this is the same type of situation, which, you know, and, and by the way, I'm going to get that value and, and get Robbie yeah. Anderson, just like I'm going to get Jerry Judy over Cortland Sutton. But, yeah, that, that's what it had to do with, you know, first-round draft pick. This could be the year. He came out the same year as Ridley. I, I mean, but the team's offensive coordinator, remind me if this is right, the team's OC did not coach at Maryland, correct? Negative. I'm just saying. <laughs> and look, Sometimes relationships. When, 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 when Robbie Anderson blew up in the beginning of the season, like week one, week two, week three, we all waiting for it to stop. But he just kept going. Mm-mm. And we're like, oh, oh, this for real, for real. So, yeah, he Robbie Anderson has become more polished as a football player. And that's just the fact of the matter. 
and that should be rewarded, I think. But you know what? That's fine. Keep being distracted by the spark. I will happily lean into the value. Um, I love your next peak. If we're talking about flash and we're talking about skill, but maybe inconsistency, this guy is probably the king of all of those. Talk to me about the about about your your favorite wide receiver value target. I, I got two. Both of these guys used to be the flashy. I, I'll talk yeah. about oh, I'll talk about uh, Odell Beckham first. He's wide receiver twenty eight. Uh, coming off the board right now, which is that's cool. Cleveland Browns receiver. We know it goes through. The, we know the offense goes through the run game. However, um, if you get Odell Beckham, uh, get him in there as your wide receiver three, not one or two. And he could somehow when he played last year in the six full games that he played last year, he averaged seven targets. Now in that offense, that's what you should like. You're not going to get ten targets a game, seven or eight, and you just got to work with that. Uh, Odell, still 28 years old, you come back fully healthy, he could do something uh, with seven or eight targets. And the, the part I'll add about that is, which is a very important part, is a more mature and better playing Baker Mayfield. He turned it around and it took him getting better for this team to get into the playoffs. That's on the real football front. On the back to the fantasy with Odell, in those six games that he played, he will wide receiver 19, which again, that's not great, but that's what you expect uh, as a for, for a Browns receiver when you got Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb. Now, he's wide receiver 28 coming off the board, right? He will wide receiver through six weeks. I'm sorry, uh, yeah, wide receiver 19 through six weeks. If he can just inch up a little bit to 16, 15, then boom, that's your value right there. I think a lot of people just feel burned, whether it's the health oh, yeah. issues, oh, yeah. you know, or the um, performative issues. But also, I like that you're mentioning the growth of Baker Mayfield, because we saw that the rhythm and timing, which is, you know, people like to use the word chemistry or rapport. But the truth is that, like, when you have a receiver like OBJ, the rhythm and timing of the passer needs to be in sync this isn't just about rapport and chemistry and being buddies and playing xbox together off off the field you know right um and baker needed the run game to settle him so that he could find the rhythm necessary and the timing necessary to match odell's skill set because odell's not one of these his skill set is so predicated on those things you just gotta you gotta get him the ball in open field and that's where he's best at so I'm not really hanging on to what he did in New York because you probably won't see that again. That's not important. with it, not, not with this scheme. So that's important for if if you're listening, don't like I'm not saying he's gonna go for 1,400 yards. No, that's not the thing. If he's going off the board as a wide receiver, 28, and you could get him in that 15, 16, 17 range as your wide receiver three on your fantasy team then there's your value right there. And if he's your wide receiver three, your other two wide receivers is dogs. <laughs> Straight up. And, well, I think that Tom Brady has called this other receiver a dog a couple of times, but like in a good way. So tell me about your other favorite value target at the position. I love this value more than anything. Um, and it's Antonio Brown, man. And uh, it's like, you know, he kind of, it's crazy because it's like a few years ago, he was the best. It was, you know, him and Julio right there. He went through whatever he went through. He served his eight games. He came back 
and that's where we'll start this off. He played his eight games last year in the regular season, right? He averaged the same amount of targets as Mike Evans did. Both of them averaged 7.8, 7.9 yard uh, targets per game since Antonio started the season, both better than Chris Godwin. Antonio Brown also had two games out of that eight in which he saw 13 and 15 targets. Mike Evans nor Chris Godwin saw that amount of targets in any game in 2020, despite the fact that Godwin played 12 games and Mike Evans played all 16 games. And we don't feel like Mike Evans is a reception monster. He's a touchdown. He's a touchdown monster, right? And going back to chemistry, right? Tom Brady and Antonio Brown have real chemistry. And they got the kind of chemistry that, you know, off the field, it matters. We, we know that Antonio Brown went to live with Tom Brady for a short time. Tom Brady is the reason Antonio Brown is on that team. You know, so uh, if you get him in there, again, you get him in there as your wide receiver three. I like that value even better than Odell Beckham because you're playing with Tom Brady. I mean, that just that just makes sense, you know. So since he came uh, back and played his eight games, he had he averaged more catches per game than the other two star receivers. So I'm really feeling that in 2021. Right now, Antonio Brown is the 39th receiver coming off the board with an ADP over 100 at 103 overall. You know, a lot. I I feel like even if you want to invest in the Bucks offense, which was what like top five or six in pass attempts last year, despite the fact that they have a fire defense. And I think they'll probably be more efficient this coming year because you remember the top of the season when, when AB wasn't playing, frankly, when um, it took Tom Brady a minute to get his connection with Mike Evans and and to find his footing with Bruce Arians and all of it. But then once AB entered the equation, the whole thing took off. And so I'm not quite sure they're going to have as many pass attempts this year because I don't think they're going to need them. And I agree with you. We also, it's a little bit tough to talk about target volumes because Chris Godwin had, you know, broken fingers and missed some time. But as the Bucks receiver who is going the latest of these three, Antonio Brown, we know he's talented. We know he's got rapport. We know this offense is efficient. We know it's being led by the, the GOAT. So why not take a flyer? in this like glut of wide receiver three after, would you rather have OBJ or Antonio Brown? Maybe wait on a position. Antonio Brown for sure. Okay. As your wide receiver three. Yeah. Even though I have him, uh, even though I have OBJ ranked a little higher, not by many spots, but that's merely due to the fact that Antonio Brown is next to Chris Godwin and Mike Evans. And quite frankly, you don't know what's going to happen there. Mm-hmm. They're three very good receivers, and you just don't know uh, what's going to happen there. And I, I, I believe you – I mean, you could get Antonio Brown later. So in that aspect, that's how I speak about it. I, I'll take Antonio Brown later than Odell Beckham earlier. A yeah. few rounds, actually. Yeah, you can get a, you can get OBJ in like the sixth, and you can get Antonio Brown in the ninth. So if in the right. sixth round you want to pivot to a different – position um then you know like if man can can you imagine this hasn't happened this happens once in a while but like in a 12 teamer I've really been liking stacking my options so if I get like I love getting Austin Eckler early and then trying to stack him with Justin Herbert around the sixth round like if I can get Justin Herbert in the sixth and then wait at the position and scoop Antonio Brown 
two, three rounds later, money. Yeah, for sure, man. Yeah, so that's what that's where I'm at with it. I, I just wish he would start calling himself Mr. Big Chess again. <laughs> <laughs> I, I want we need to do that. Get you know. I don't, I, I kind of appreciate quiet Antonio Brown. I don't need him feeling. Nah, my nah, be not, he not. Stay chill now. Stay chill. I you know just. In a press or something, come out, Mr. Bitch, yeah, let go, you know. So, just what? Just but no, nah, yeah, no, nah, I'm, I'm with you. We, <laughs> let's just, let's just, I just want to see him play first and foremost. So that's that. <laughs> I agree with you there. All right, we're going to do quickly speed round tight ends and quarterbacks. Um, tight end has a ton of value options because every option after TJ Hawkinson is a value option. Um, but, you know, there's this theory. Uh, but well, <laughs> I shouldn't say is a value option. They're not all value options, but they probably could all give you about the same stat line. The question is like, which of these guys that is not named Logan Thomas or Noah Fan? Like, I don't. I'm not taking those guys, right? Like, if I don't get, um, if I don't get Travis Kelsey or I don't get T.J. Hawkinson, um, then I'm waiting it out exactly. And I like waiting it out until the very end. And Gerald Everett is a player. You know, I live in L.A. So I've got a lot of love for the Rams and I did not have a lot of loves for this timeshare between he and Tyler Higby. But now that he is up in Seattle with Russ, who may or may not cook with Shane Waldron, the new OC, who also, by the way, happens to be the former tight ends coach at the Rams under Sean McVay and did, uh, you know, see the development in Gerald Everett. So now Gerald Everett's moving from the Rams along with Shane Waldron to this offense that might simmer. I don't know if they're going to cook, right? Because you still got Pete Carroll feeling things yeah, out. Yeah, but right, right. even as a, even at a simmer, Gerald Everett, who, by the way, per every single beat writer I've read, and, you know, like you said, sometimes, sometimes that there isn't all that much truth. But, I mean, every single thing I've read said that Gerald Everett and Russell Wilson are connecting nonstop. Obviously, last year, the team struggled to find a consistent third option in the receiving game, and that's part of the reason the second-half slump happened uh -huh. for this offense. Dwayne Eskridge, the, the rookie, he's been hurt, so he's been missing reps, which has given Everett more of an opportunity to build chemistry with Wilson. You don't have... Greg Olson, you don't have Jacob Hollister, you don't have David Moore, he's in Carolina. There are like 150 available targets. And even, again, even if he's not cooking, Russ, even at a simmer, there's a very good chance to me that Everett could like catch 60 balls and be third in team targets for this offense. And all those guys you just mentioned, the former Seahawks, he's better than all of them. And now he gets... Uh, you know, he upgrades drastically at the quarterback position. And I'm I'm really with you on that one. That was going to be my guy, but I got another one, so it's cool. Um, so, yeah, <laughs> Give me your guy then. Uh, uh, mine is Joe New Smith, man. Um, hell, he probably the best athlete on that offense, period. It, everybody went crazy when they – it was a video come out about him the other day. He was in the backfield running the ball. What people, what some people don't know is he was doing that a little bit with the Titans. I expect them to take his big bag that he got from the Patriots, that big old bag of money, and uh, provide uh, that nice security blanket for Cam and maybe at some time uh, Matt Jones. Cam has been good with a good tight end, uh, Reverend Greg Olson back in the day with the Panthers. But uh, I I'm like, I really like Joe Smith. Like, I got him at tight end five yeah that's wow like tight end five right now because he they're gonna use him 
like they used Aaron, uh, Aaron Hernandez. I said the name, but yeah, that's how they gonna use him. Um, and he, like I said, he the best athlete on that offense. So I'm really feeling that. And the fact that he was in the backfield running a ball is encouraging. It just goes to show you they're gonna try to get the ball in his hands. <laughs> Should be more than the Titans. Titans, you had Derrick Henry, you got AJ Brown, so you're not the guy there. He has a chance to be the the top receiving threat on the, on this team. Well, and I have to ask because I don't, I'm not as bullish on Smith. Though I agree with you, he is a freak athlete, but his usage makes me a little bit more worrisome. But you mentioned earlier that Hunter Henry was hurt. He's got this shoulder injury. He's going to miss a couple of weeks. This is a player who's struggled with durability while he was in while he was with the Chargers. So, did you have Smith at five even before the Henry injury news? Uh, yes. Uh, mainly because, yeah, for sure. Um, I mean, I had him at tight end eight before the season last year. I always kind of liked him. Now I like him more because he gets to be more involved. And usage was a problem for him in Tennessee as well. I see Hunter Henry as being the, uh, the more traditional tight end. Uh, Hunter, I'm sorry, uh, Jonu Smith can be that. He can also be an H-back. I mean, Hunter Henry going down, you know, that he'll be back, you know. In fact, I would prefer that, you know. It it just helps their offense go a little more. I like, though, that you want to lift the whole offense because that's something people – can you talk about that a little bit more because that's a a constant fantasy debate. Yeah, so usually, you know, when a guy goes down, people are like, this guy goes down, this other guy stock up. But what about – you know, the double coverage that that dude was providing for that other guy already. I mean, listen, all I got to say is Juju Smith-Schuster. What has he done since Antonio Brown hasn't been in Pittsburgh? That's all I got to say. But sometimes, sometimes that, that like Hunter Henry is a, obviously he's a good pass catcher. So, you know, that open things up, you know what I'm saying? So yeah, you want to help the offense as a whole to get the most, out of every player. Volume is absolutely and always king in fantasy, but right underneath that is the quality of the targets within that volume. So yes. you might want a like fewer really good catchable targets rather than a whole bunch of uncatchable targets. And I think Andy Barons and Chris Harris actually talked about this exact thing on Tuesday's episode. So if you haven't listened to that, go back and do, because they illuminate this point when talking about Darnell Mooney, I think, really perfectly well. Uh, I don't want to talk about the Bears, though, at all. Instead, (laughs) just not today. Not today, Lawrence. Can't do it. But I do want to talk about quarterbacks, and I'm going to talk about my value pick at quarterback. We're on the same page because I like yours as well. I'll kick it off with the older guy, and these these our two players knew each other, but I'm going to talk right, about right. the guy who is now in Washington. Obviously, it's Ryan Fitzpatrick. You know, after 16 years in the league, people think they know exactly what they got with Fitz, right? The highs are really high, and the lows are in a basement. <laughs> <laughs> but after the last four years... Ryan Fitzpatrick has been like much more magic than fizzle. And I don't think people have put numbers to it yet. He has posted top 14 fantasy numbers in 20 and top 10 numbers in 16 of his last 30 games with um, an attempt minimum of 25. So 
He produces. He's got wheels. People forget about that. He's actually got yeah, a good yeah, amount of wheels. <laughs> uh-huh. He's been regularly inside the top 14 among rushing metrics for quarterbacks. So so we like that, and obviously, in fantasy as well. And then there's no secret about the different weapons that have been added. The only secret is Adam Humphreys is part of that group, and I don't think people remember. I mean, they should because Fitzpatrick has, like, played everywhere, but he did play with Humphreys in Tampa Bay, so there's a pre-existing rapport, which makes me feel less worried about Curtis Samuel missing time. You know, like, there's a there's a, a plug-in. It's not the same. They don't have the same skill set. Don't come after me and say, I don't know my scouting. <laughs> But but there is connective tissue here. So, you know, you've got Antonio Gibson. You've got Logan Thomas. These are all, like, stud players. you got J.D. McKissick. Oh, and who else do you have? The wide receiver one, Terry McLaurin. And you're in Scott Turner's offense. That's been nothing but fire for back-to-back seasons, top 10 in passing. Ryan Fitzpatrick is the QB 22 coming off boards with an ADP of 155. So in Superflex leagues, I know I'm a big fan of Superflex. I think you are too. Scott Pianowski talks yes. about them all the time. Love like, this is, my, this is my target. Everybody's trying to go after, like, this guessing game of Taysom Hill or Jameis Winston in these Superflex leagues. I did a big one yesterday, and I'm like, nah, y'all can debate it out. I'm going <laughs> to wait and get me Fitzmagic. I- I'll try to get... Ryan Fitzpatrick in uh, Scott Fishbowl, I didn't succeed. So all those reasons you just mentioned is why, uh, well, let me say this first. You will be starting Ryan Fitzpatrick in your fantasy lineup at some point in 2021 because that's just what happens every year. No matter (laughs) how much you try to hide it and get away from it, you're going to end up starting him, whether week six or week 12 or week three. And like you just mentioned, much better uh, weapons that he's working with now. Terry McLaurin, Antonio Gibson. Uh, he's got a uh, consensus top 10 tight end. And uh, Logan Thomas, who they just paid money to. Uh, Curtis Samuel got to get back healthy. So, yeah, don't fight it. You're starving. <laughs> don't, don't fight it. Don't fight it. You know who fought it? Brian Flores fought it a lot last year. But maybe it was worthwhile so that we could have Tua Tungavailoa being valuable and taking a leap in 2021 tell me why he's your favorite target value target at quarterback and it's it just so many factors when it comes to a tag of a lower man uh one being having to do with Fitzpatrick you don't have to look over your shoulder no more you know you you coming into a training camp as the guy keyword training camp something he didn't have nobody had it but you know and he was coming now he's another year removed from the hip injury he's 100% more athletic than however athletic you think he is he more athletic than that and he can run when needed just like Fitzpatrick can and and a lot of other quarterbacks no he ain't going to run but he will run in a touchdown near the goal line if he has to so those few reasons right there and now you add in what they did for him on the offense as far as uh, weapons. Uh, they brought in his former college teammate, Jalen Waddle. You got Will Fuller to take the top off the defense. You know, this is what this is what he needed last year. And they also kind of held the playbook back from him last year. They they didn't let him, they didn't let him let it rip. Now you've seen the throws in the little training camp videos. You you can see that he could he could he could let it rip. People forget that in Alabama, that's all he was doing. And that's and let's not talk about the fortitude that he have 
going back to Alabama, coming off the bench in the second half as a true freshman and leading them to the national championship. So that'll always stick in my mind. He's got it in between the ears as well. A lot of people, a lot of people off on him, but you got to realize he played nine games. Think about that, Liz. Nine more games than me and you in the NFL is the experience that he has. So with those weapons, um, you definitely could, uh, you, you could, especially if you get a, a elite fantasy quarterback, uh, you could definitely feel good about having uh, two as your QB two to start off. You see how he do, right? You see what he do. You still got that elite quarterback. Boom. Now you got a trade piece right there. Yeah, I think the difference between year one and year two, and this isn't always quantifiable in numbers, which is why like, I love Lawrence's analysis because he used to play the game because he watches tape. Chris Harris talked about it. Like, You can't make everything into a calculator compute right? I don't even know if that's the right word to say. I didn't do well in math. And, and yes, there's a, lot of, there's a lot of math in fantasy, but you need all the pieces. Last year, you mentioned the hip injury. Now he's what, like 18 months removed. Fine. He had the hip surgery in November of 2019. So now he's further removed. He's got the, the O-line is much is worked over. They got, you know, now those O-linemen are going to be, three of them, I think, are going to be in their second year. Hopefully they've made development. Yeah. They got rid of Chan Gailey. And yeah, it's a little bit weird that they got this dual play calling to offensive coordinator situation. Worse, right? Worse than having two quarterbacks. <laughs> but you know what the best part about that is, is that one of them, over the second half of last year, I believe he was technically the tight ends coach, but then over the second half of last year when Tua was, you know, under center more frequently, he specifically worked on coaching Tua, and now he's the play caller. So there's continuity for Tua. There's the playbook for him, and there is someone who is intimately acquainted with his skill set. This is a player who was comp to Drew freaking Breeze throughout mm-hmm. the scouting process. Yeah. This is a guy who's known for his accuracy. And yes. by the way, his strength of schedule is straight fire. He's got the second most favorable strength of schedule in 2021 for the quarterback position. So people need to embrace, you know what? I'm going to quote you. Don't fight it. The leap is happening. Don't don't fight it, man. If he don't have that hip injury, we're not even talking about doubting him right now. I promise you. And now that he's, uh, hey, he has more time removed from that hip injury, he feeling a lot more confident. He done connected with Albert Wilson a whole bunch. Albert Wilson, by the way, right now is a starting receiver on the depth chart. So he's emerging. So Tua, he hitting his throws, man. He got more confidence in the hip. And like I said earlier, he's more mobile and athletic than we give him credit for. So, yeah, man, you you get him behind on your fantasy team. You want to get him behind your starter for the beginning and just – let it let it shake out. See what it do. No no risk. If he pop off, then you got options. You got good problems. Then you know what I'm saying. But I, I'm pretty confident he's gonna take his game to the next level. Not every rookie quarterback could come out like Justin Herbert. And let's be real, nobody was feeling like Justin Herbert was gonna do that, especially through the draft process. It was about Burrow and Tua, and then it was Herbert who made noise. So some dudes hit it right off the bat. Some dudes need a next up at bat. And this is Tua's next up at bat right here in 2021. Believe that. And that's how they get the value, which was what this episode was all about. 
Lawrence, I am incredibly confident that you're going to continue to slay it throughout the season. Is there anything you're working on right now that you'd like to promote? Uh, well, now that – so we, we actually got preseason football starting back tonight. Um, so the Lord Don't Lose podcast will be uh, cranking back up. And, and and I'll go over some of the uh, pre week one preseason games, and uh, you could just you could catch me on that. You could see my content on all my social medias at Lord Don't Lose, and I'm also doing some things and talking to some people behind the scenes to uh, make yeah. something happen. So you know we gonna uh, it's it's up for 2021. And I feel great about it. I am so excited for you. I'm so glad that you were able to join us for this podcast. Everybody go follow Lawrence on social at Lord Don't Lose. You can check me out on Twitter and Instagram as well at Liz Loza underscore FF. If you want more value targets, check out my 2000 word article. Yeah, I did that. Welcome back me um, from Olympic coverage on Yahoo Fantasy. Check uh, Yahoo Fantasy in general out on Twitter. The handle is at Yahoo Fantasy. Scott Pianowski is going to be back with a new episode on Monday morning. I've been loving listening to him grinding on Sunday night. Until then, we're out.